Welcome to Douglas Wilson's Blog and May Blog, presented by Canon Press. Tin Soldiers and Trudeau's Coming, Monday, February 21st, 2022. Introduction. I don't care who you are, having an elderly woman trampled by your cops on horseback is a bad look. Another bad look comes when it is not possible to confirm or refute reports of that poor woman's death. As I was composing this paragraph on Saturday, there were rumors that she had died from her injuries, but no clear confirmation either way. I was able to find one story on it coming out of India. This would seem to indicate that information about this woman's condition was being withheld from us for political reasons. The footage of her being trampled was horrific, but it would seem that if news about her medical condition was good, the authorities would want us to know that, and if it was bad, they would want to spin it out of sight for as long as they could. Update. The woman was injured but did not die. Thank the Lord. Her shoulder was dislocated, and it still seems weird to me that this news was hard to get. And perhaps the Ottawa police might think about correcting their statement that there were no injuries. Further update. Over the weekend, Trudeau's flunkies in uniform cleared out the Ottawa protest, making a couple hundred arrests and towing numerous trucks, doing so in a manner that was genuinely tyrannical. He showed that Canada is now operating on China's social credit system, an example being the freezing of financial assets of people who donated to the convoy. Why anyone would now keep their money in a Canadian bank is beyond me. But as I believe that this show's strength means that Trudeau sacrificed a queen to take a pawn, I have changed very little of what I wrote below. In my view, he won a battle that cost him the war. Ceausescu was tough near the end as well. This optics war. We need to recognize that this is an optics war and Trudeau is losing it badly. This is a meme war and Trudeau is losing it badly. This is a naming contest and Trudeau is losing it badly. What I want to urge below is all about keeping it that way. What I'm talking about here is what it looks like when those in authority lose control of the narrative. This can happen in any clash between rulers and the ruled and can happen regardless of the actual facts on the ground. It can happen regardless of who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. You probably all remember the iconic photo of the young woman at Kent State kneeling beside the body of the protester who'd been shot. Precisely because they had lost control of the narrative, the authorities at that time could not simply decide that, quote, this inconvenient photo will, will by no means become iconic. They could have held a press conference if they'd wanted to and shown us multiple photos of the rioting at Kent State prior to that shooting, but because they had lost control of the narrative, this would only have been demonstrating for us how badly they had lost that control. Nobody would care about them or their photos. As it happens, in this situation, all my sympathies happen to be with the truckers, but what I'm observing here initially is independent of that sympathy. Sometimes the good guys lose control of the narrative, sometimes the bad guys do. This time, it happens to be the bad guys. Trudeau regained control of Ottawa streets, but he has no elite corps of cops who can go fetch his narrative back. Content of the dispute aside, the structure of this confrontation maps onto Gandhi and the Brits, Boris Yeltsin holed up in his house with a nuclear superpower outside, Martin Luther King Jr. in the segregated South, Ceausescu against Romania, and you get the drift. In all these situations, the ones who had the upper hand bungled their use of that upper hand, and the ones who didn't have the upper hand had the upper hand. Those who had the actual power forfeited everything through the mistakes they made in the course of the showdown in real time. 
And Trudeau is the poster boy when it comes to making just these sorts of mistakes. I think we should all step back a few paces and watch him go. Because to sum this point up, as Napoleon Bonaparte once exhorted us, quote, never interrupt your enemy when he is making a mistake. Freedom as white supremacy. There are two situations in which those in power start saying ludicrous things, and we should pay attention to the distinction because it currently matters a great deal. On this situation, the ludicrous things being said characterize the trucker convoy as being made up of terrorists, white supremacists, cannibals, Nazis, and enemies of democracy. I made one of those items up, but only one. One such situation would be where the authority has the whip hand, and he demands that you repeat the outlandish things that he tells you to say, and he does this because he is gaslighting you. He is displaying his control of the situation. Big Brother can demand that Winston profess his love for Big Brother. This is the way the whole COVID mania situation seemed a year ago. The establishment was flexing, and they did that long enough to develop erroneous views of their immunity from any possible blowback. They developed these erroneous views because they quit flexing for the masses and started flexing for the mirror. But there's a second scenario where the approved spokesman starts spouting crazy talk. That would be the case of another BB, like unto Big Brother, the case of the celebrated Baghdad Bob. As American tanks were closing in on Baghdad, he continued to serve as the bombastic spokesman of a doomed regime, telling us confidently that, even as he spoke, even right that minute, the invading forces were no kidding getting their butts kicked. The first kind of twaddle talk is a power move, and the other kind is an impotence move, the kind of flailing that immediately precedes the sensation of drowning. Each sentence, each press release, is just one more lone kamikaze trying to sink an aircraft carrier. So Trudeau's position is precarious. He is in the second position and nowhere close to the first. Even though Ottawa's streets were cleared, he is still in a precarious position. In the early days, the progressives sought to problematize absolutely everything, and they did this because they were shooting the moon. They were making their move. Did not their computer models give them the appropriate outcomes? As the initial levels of compliance for every manner of foolishness were high, this gave them false confidence. For Uncle Ben to provide white folks with his avuncular rice was a problem. Incorrect answers on math tests, marked by an authority figure as incorrect, were displaying an intolerable whiteness. Showing up for work, on time, and seeking to do a professional job was hegemonic whiteness. Trying to be a decent citizen was white, and characterizing those who didn't care about decency as indecent was racist. So they got you coming and going. So now, sticking with the plan, they are trying to make a problem out of those things that bid fair to threaten their entire project. This is why your desire for freedom is now a sign of white supremacy, as per what was actually printed in the Washington Post above. The fact that you don't want to be their slave is an indication of your support for slavery. I know, that doesn't make any sense to me either, but that is the line they are taking. Earlier in this game, they were Big Brother, making you affirm demented slogans just because they could. You don't want to be sent down to HR, do you? They have rats down there that will eat your face. But now they are turning into Baghdad Bob, threatening to turn off the sunshine and rain in Alberta if they don't start obeying the voices of their anointed gods again. And so now Trudeau has turned into King Canuck, commanding the tide not to come in. Only unlike good old Canute, Trudeau is serious. Neil Young, sunshine hippie. I mentioned Kent State earlier, and the song Ohio reminds us just how buffle-headed Neil Young has become. I say has become, but one suspects that this may have been the problem all along, doesn't one? But back in the day, he could at least pretend that he was part of a heroic resistance. Now, like a petulant child, he removes his songs from Spotify because they won't silence a dissonant Rogan voice talking about treatments for this particular bugbear virus. 
Ten soldiers and Nixon's coming. We're finally on our own. This summer I hear the drumming, four dead in Ohio. Gotta get down to it. Soldiers are cutting us down. Heroic Neil, early precursor to compliant Neil. The man thinks he's marginalized, but he's actually now the man. Not sure how it happened, but we have progressives today, inspired by the likes of Neil, who believe that all their virtuous sentiments that swirl around the base of diversity and uplift, swirling in sync with almost all institutions of higher education, virtually every major corporation in North America, the woke military, the political establishment, and the entire entertainment industry, are sentiments that somehow make them part of the resistance. Life is tough out there on the margins. This is the kind of thing that could make a cat laugh. If you want to see marginalized, just put a maple leaf flag on your truck and drive east. So just imagine if this truck convoy had been organized on behalf of Black Lives Matter. How many times would Trudeau have met with them by now? And how many times a day would he have apologized to them? He would have apologized for not supplying them with enough government-purchased gas for their trucks. And if the protesters in Ottawa had been there on behalf of the indigenous peoples of Canada, the First Nations, how many times do you think we would have seen Trudeau on camera sobbing in solidarity with them? Some might think that I'm blurring a bunch of issues here, whether overtly or implicitly. Neil Young and Spotify, vaccine passports, BLM, no masks to the Super Bowl in L.A., while all the school kids in L.A. had to go to school masked up the next day, the January 6th incursion, election fraud, and so on. But no, I don't believe I'm blurring anything. These are all actually the same issue. Many streams run into the Mississippi, but all the water is the Mississippi by the time it gets to the Gulf. And what is that Mississippi? The central issue, the driving issue, is the abyss that is opened up between regular folks and our diseased ruling class. These separate issues mentioned above, all of them, not to mention many others, are just particular instances that reveal the disdain that these swollen gargoyles have for the rest of the cathedral. I'm referring to all these contestants of climate change, these sultans of same-sexy, these rajahs of racism, these moguls of mammon, these vicegerents of viruses, these potentates of public policy, these lords of lockdowns, these despots of drag queens, these magnets of masks, and these oligarchs of overweening obtuseness. I could go on, but I think it is best to stop now. I think that some of you were thinking it was time that somebody tapped me on the shoulder. All the craziness of this last generation has resulted in a 27-vehicle pileup at the intersection of God is not mocked and unintended consequences. This is what we might call a worldview mashup, which is why we must keep our heads. We can't wait for the cops to come and sort it all out because half the rigs in the pileup are government vehicles, maybe more than half. And of the remainder, quite a few Canadian cops are going to be too occupied trying to figure out how to live with themselves. No Fort Sumters. Let us return to Napoleon's observation. Providence has decreed that the hapless representative of the entire global ruling class will be Justin Trudeau. They stand or fall with him. This is a strong indication that God loves us and wants us to be happy. But there's yet one way that this could turn sour for the lovers of liberty, and that would be if some right-of-center idiot opens fire. The ultimate reason the South was unsuccessful in her attempts to secede from the Union was that the South opened fire at Fort Sumter instead of continuing to play brinksmanship. So in this showdown, there must be no Fort Sumters. This is especially important in that there don't need to be any Fort Sumters. Right now, the protesters in Ottawa have the upper hand, arrests and all, and they have the moral high ground. Despite being removed, they still have the moral high ground. The elites are desperate to find some way to take away or diminish that moral authority. They are hungry for some deranged right-wing idiot to show up in a way that discredits the entire protest movement. 
But as it stands right now, the reaction to the protest demonstrates just how necessary the protest was. The Canuck truckers, may God bless every one of their furry hats, have shown us how this is to be done. They have demonstrated that potent political action can be cheerful, direct, uncompromising, patient, and extraordinarily difficult to respond to. They have been peaceful. They have not been retaliating. They have not been answering vitriol in kind. They have behaved in such a way that, win or lose, they won. I would like you to pause and reflect on how much mileage the bad guys, for convenience, we shall continue to refer to them as the bad guys, have gotten out of the January 6th incursion into the Capitol. Please notice that this did not happen here. We are not done with this. There will be more. Maybe truckers will stay home for a bit. Maybe they will drive to provincial capitals or points along the border. Maybe the left hook will be an American convoy. I don't know. But whatever happens, there must be no Fort Sumters. So have I written before on how it would be imprudent in the extreme for us to take the bait? Why, yes. Yes, I have. I believe you can find those musings here. Don't take the bait. And click the bottom link to watch my interview with Glenn Sunshine about the history of Christian resistance. Mm -hmm.